Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Let's uh, open up with a word of prayer, and then, um, and then we'll go before the Lord. God, I thank you for the privilege to share your word. God, you are good, you are merciful, you are kind. And we just ask that you would be glorified right now. That we would put you first. That you'd work in each of us so that we can um, be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When you came in, you should have gotten or received one of these papers. I'm not even sure gotten's a word, but I used it, so we'll call it. You should have received one of these papers. You can follow along. It has the scriptures. Um, but I, I have a message, and it's kind of it's entitled "Called by God." And so, when you think of the word "called," uh, it's it's really hard in this day of age to really get what that is because we have these. We're probably, I would say, probably 85, 90, 95, 100 percent of the people in this room above a certain age have a cell phone, and that has really changed like the the role that calling plays in our lives. Because if you're like me, like I hate to talk on the phone. I absolutely hate it. If my phone rings, I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk. Like, I prefer a text message, okay? And even with that, it's frustrating because my phone will just sit there and it'll blow up. But I realize, like, like you guys that are younger than me, and you're never going to have that experience of, um, you know, having to call somebody's house. Guys, remember what that was like when you called somebody's house, when all they had was one phone in the house, and it was maybe like, maybe a girl you were interested in talking to, and it was the first time, and you never even met the family, and and you got a ring, and you don't know who's going to pick up. Like, that was the worst, because you're like, please, I hope she picks up, I hope she picks up, I hope, hello? Oh, crap. Uh, Is Beth there? Who's this? Ah, uh, this is Chris from school. Can I please? Yeah. Hold on. Beth! You know, that's how we texted people back then. We just screamed across the house. And then the phone would sit there. You didn't know if anybody was coming. He never said she'll be right there. And then they get on. And, uh, like, it was just, it's a different mindset. Like, a phone call is very personal. It is much more personal than a text message. Because you're sitting there, you can hear the other person, you're breathing, you're talking, you know, you, uh, it's, 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 it's personal. But if you go back even farther, and, and I learned this from old movies, because I wasn't, I wasn't around back then, I've used it, they used the word call when like a guy would just show up at somebody's house and they would call, like before phones were even that big of a thing, like they would go and they would call. Now that's even worse. Like nowadays you could text the person directly. Back when I was little, you could call and hope they got on the phone. But do you like people just showing up at your door unannounced? I hate that. So imagine how nerve-wracking that would be if you were going to call on someone and you just, like, walked up to their door. Like, our doorbell never rings unless it's, like, little kids wanting to play with my kid. But if you're an adult, please don't just show up at my house. Anybody else feel that way? Praise God. Like, you're welcome, but give me a heads up. Text message, phone call, like that, that, that intimacy of, of showing up and opening the door. And you know, like even when you're not expecting somebody, or even if you are, you're like, hey, no, it's fine, come in. 
forgive me for lying, Lord. You know, but come in. Can I get you anything? And calling is supposed to be, like, we don't do it a lot. But it can also mean like a face-to-face invitation for connection, for relationship. And, and most people won't know because our society is changing and we text message and instant message and Facebook message and Instagram. But what it is to be sitting on a phone where your ear is just getting their voice and their ear is getting your voice and just to have a long conversation. And we've almost forgotten the ability or what it takes to sit face-to-face with somebody and make conversation and to talk. And so when we talk about called by God, I want you to realize that this is an invitation that God gives people to be in a relationship with him. Nobody is texted by God. I mean, you have the text, you have the scripture, but you're called, you're invited. It's almost as if you take it a step further all the way back in the past and he's showing up at the front door of your heart and he's inviting you into relationship with him. And so we, I went through the Bible and I kind of thought about all, a bunch of different types of people that I believe were called by God and so we're going to talk about their stories um, one by one, pull out some points and I hope it's something that you can relate into. The very first thing, and you could fill this in, is, is God calls people to show his glory. See, when God wanted to leave his image here on earth, when he wanted to leave his mark here on earth, what he did, the very first thing he did is after he created everything, he took the dust and the mud and he shaped it and he made a man. That was his image. When God wants to reveal his image and his glory, it is always through a person. It is always through what he does in relationship with that person. And he breathed into that dirt and it came alive. And it's still true today that when God really wants to demonstrate his glory, it is by what he does in a life or through a life. When he calls a man or a woman, because eventually he took that mud and he separated it, and it was male and female. But if he takes those, those people and he reveals his glory through us, God's glory, his splendor, his wonder, like that's how he's going to demonstrate it, through the relationship that he has with you. Because he has come, I believe, and he's called you. He's come and he's gotten face to face, not a text message, not a phone call, but he came in, the, in his son, and he got face-to-face, and he called you to relationship, and that always reveals God's glory. Now, it's good for you, too, because God's glory is when it's seen, like it's always good for us. And, and I want that to kind of be the baseline that God has called people, that it's for God's glory. And then I want you to go to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and we're going to look at a man called Abram. After Adam, he was, he was one of the first people that God called. I mean, we had Noah in between there, but, but, now, but now we have Abram. And he was actually the first Israelite, the first, first one of the nation, the sons of Abraham. Like, they come. We all, have, we all owe this man a lot because God gave him this word, and it said, The Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred, your family, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Can anybody else barely drive around town sometimes without your GPS? Am I the only one? Like for me, like I get places with this all the time. It's a new city. I didn't grow up here. I don't know how to make it around, and I put it on. And, like, I remember back in the day, we didn't do that. You could just drive, like, handwritten directions. Remember that? Remember handwritten directions? It was like, drive for five minutes and look for a left. You're like, all right, you're watching the thing, five minutes. And first time we ever came, or one of the first times we came to South Carolina, our own, My dad had given us directions. We left Miami real late, drove all the way up here to visit them over in Aiken. And it was like one of the final directions. We're almost there. It was like three or four in the morning. It said, make a left on a white pond. We made a left on white pond. But it happens that there's more than one white pond out there. So it was like the twilight zone. We're in the middle of nowhere, two dirt roads. Both signs say white pond. He's like, make a left. I'm like, they're all left. What do you mean, make a left? Everywhere I go is White Pond. There was no GPS. I couldn't share my location. It was, you're lost. And look what God called Abram to do back when there was no technology, probably very few maps. They weren't even accurate, probably. like They weren't good. And God says, leave your country, the place that you grew up, the roads that you know, the family and the people that you grew up with, and even your father's house, and go somewhere you've never seen, and I'm going to show you. That's terrifying. There was no job awaiting him. He didn't even know what the land would look like. He didn't even know like the the strangers that he would find over there. He didn't even really know where he was going. But that's how this religion, that's how this walk with God started and how it was modeled with God calling Abram and saying, come. And Abraham believed. And he loaded up his wife and some of his family and he's like, let's go. That's terrifying. We don't know what that's like. Like, very few of us know what it's like because that is real. And God called them, and then he made them a promise. He said, I will make of you a great nation. If you believe in Jesus, you're part of that nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and dishonor those, and those who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, God had a plan. It was for his glory. God calls Abraham. Abraham, Abram believes. He eventually becomes Abraham, the father of many nations. Jesus is born through his line. The Messiah came. The, The cross happened. The blood was shed. And it was blood that at one time came from Abraham. And it was this man of faith. But Abraham had to do something. God, sometimes he calls people to leave their old lives behind. He, God calls people to something new. Abraham was called to something new, something he's never seen. And I believe that for a lot of you, like if you're going to answer the call of God on your life, it has to be something new. 
And it might be scary because you're leaving your old place where you grew up, the familiar territory, the roads you knew. You knew where the sheep could eat. You knew where the watering holes were. You knew what plants were good and what plants were bad. And now you're, you're leaving into a new area, something new, and it's awesome and it's wonderful, but it can be terrifying. And if God is really calling you, he's most likely calling you into something like that, something you've never seen before. The next person I want to talk about is a, is, a, is a lady named Deborah, and it's out of the book of Judges, chapter 4. Now, I like Deborah because she's one of the, uh, the, the, the only female judge. And it says, now Deborah was a prophetess, the wife of Lapiodath, and he was ju- she was judging Israel at that time. See, I want to give you some background, and this time is, is so Abraham had followed God, then his, his offspring get um, enslaved in Egypt, then Moses comes and he takes them out of Egypt, and now they're in the promised land, and the book of Judges is one of the most crazy gangster books you will ever read in your life, because it was a time when it says there was no king, and people just did whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. There are some of the most messed up stories in all of Scripture in the book of Judges. Read it to your kids. They will like it. And you will have some explaining to do because it is crazy. And at this time, think about that. There was no king in the land. There's millions of people there, and they're spread apart, and they're, they're living, and they just do whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. You know that turned out well. You know when everybody's just doing what they think is right, no conflict at all, right? Real peaceful, nobody did anything crazy. No, it was insane. And Deborah was a prophetess. It means that she heard from the Lord. She had a relationship with God. God had called her into a relationship. She could hear God's voice and speak what he was saying. And she, a lady, was judging Israel at that time. That wasn't a place many women rose to. She's the only female judge in the whole book. But she used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. So when they didn't know who was right, because you're doing what's right in your eyes, I'm doing what's right in my eyes. In my eyes, it's right if I come to your house and steal your goat. In your eyes, that's wrong. You're like, that's my goat, don't steal it. But I'm like, share, brother, aren't we supposed to share? And so we can't figure this out. We're fighting. We say, well, let's go talk to Deborah and hear what the word of the Lord is. Deborah says, dummy, don't steal goats. Give him an extra goat. I give him a goat back. We leave. All day long, Deborah's doing this kind of stuff, dealing with the people's problems as a female, as a woman. Hmm? She's a mother to the nation. My wife said, and I want you to know that sometimes God will call people to places and positions that are beyond their natural abilities. God calls people to places and positions that are beyond, that's the next slide, beyond their natural abilities. See, if God has called you to it, then you probably need God to get you through it. Because anything that you can do on your own does not bring God glory. God receives glory when you're doing what you 
could never do on your own. And Deborah could not lead a nation. She was a lady. She needed the gift of God, the prophetic unction of the Lord, to make it happen. So if God's called you to something, and it's great, and it's beyond you, you're in good company. Because that's what God does. I'll tell you, I never, ever, ever liked talking in front of people. I didn't. We go to the store. I wouldn't want to talk to the person there. I still don't like talking to salespeople. If you're in sales, God bless you. I forgive you, and I love you in Christ. But I probably don't trust you. Right? Salespeople are special. Especially when I'm not trying to talk to you. If I want help, I'll go get help, but probably don't need it. I could read signs and walk around. Don't like talk to people if I don't have to. But God's brought me here, and it's beyond my own ability. It's beyond my own ability. And if you hear when I do talk what comes out of my mouth, normally, I'm not saying like bad words or bad things, but it's just like, ooh, you shouldn't say that. And to give me a responsibility to talk in front of God's people about his word. And it's like, you think I've said some dumb things? I haven't said a third of the dumb things that I've thought. That's the grace of God. The next person I want to get to as the story goes on is, is now the nation is getting uh, crying out for a king. It was never supposed to have one, but God goes to give him one. And there's Samuel, who's a prophet. And we're in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verse 11. And Samuel goes around and he's looking for God's king. He's looking for the person who will lead the nation. And they had picked Saul at first. Little backstory. Saul at first was a very humble man. Huge stature. They said he was a head above everybody else. The biggest dude in the nation. But humble. And then he got his head, got big, and it got gassed up, and he's turned away from God. And he did things outside of God's plan. And so God rejected him. And Samuel goes to find a new king who would become, until Jesus, probably their greatest king, David. And Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and he said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? Jesse had a lot of sons. But he left one of them outside with the sheep. Samuel had come to find the new king, and he says, Jesse, I'm here. Bring your sons in here. I want to find out which one of these ones God has called. And Jesse, David's father, looks around, and he's like, you guys come over here. Let's go meet Samuel. David, just get out. We know it's not you. <laughs> we know it's not you. Go. Go take care of the sheep. And Samuel looked at all of his sons one by one. He's like, no. no I mean, they're fine men. Decent, strong, healthy. No. 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 Jesse, are all your sons here? And Jesse said, well, there remains the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. I mean, he's, he, I put him with the sheep. Let's just say he's with the sheep for a reason. If it ain't one of these guys, you might have got the wrong Jesse. But Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him. We're not going to sit down till he comes. That'd be awkward. 
We're in his house, Jesse's house, and they're not sitting down until he comes. They're not going to eat until he comes. And he sent and brought him in, and he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes, and he was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. This is he. And Samuel took his horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. The one that his own father didn't even think worthy enough was anointed in the midst of his brothers. His own dad. That's pretty bad when your dad doesn't even put you in there, right? Think about all the dads you know, and even at the sports games. They're like, why isn't my kid playing? Put him in, and the kid's terrible. And the dad's like, I think he could do it. Put him in. Let Give him a few downs. Give him a couple innings. But the one kid, his, dad, his own dad was like, ah, David, no. No, he, I love him, but he's not going to be king. In the midst of all his brothers, he gets anointed with oil. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and he went to Ramah. See, God calls the least to be the greatest. He calls the least to be the greatest. So if you're thinking you're the least, that your life is too messed up, your, your life is out of control, maybe you're out of control, you have too much stuff wrong in you, or things are just too hard, or, or you're not good enough, then you are in a good spot. Those of y'all who think you can do it, bad spot. Because it's God's glory and not your glory. God never called you to so you can show off. He's called you to work with him so that he can show off through you or to you. And so God calls the least to be the greatest. The next story we'll go to is, is Peter, one of the most important disciples. And in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 19, it says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Peter, I don't know what you know about him, but, but he was a family man. He was married, most likely had children. His mother-in-law lived with him. Everybody say, praise God. His mother-in-law was there. Mother-in-law, my mother-in-law is awesome. I've seen some that aren't. But living with any family is tough. And his mother-in-law is living there. He's taking care of um, the family. He's a businessman in business with his brother, just trying to make it through the day. He's in business with a couple other guys, James and John, and they have a series of boats. And it's not like, I mean, the worst work, it's fishing. So it could be worse, but it was like fishing you had to do. It wasn't like fishing for fun. It was like fishing to eat. And there were bills to be paid and food that, that had to come in and, and people at home to take care of. And, and I could see it being very hard to leave those nets. I want you to see that. God has never called you to do something that other people haven't already done. Abraham left his whole family, everything that was familiar of him, with him. Deborah went into a position that she might have not even been qualified for, like a woman judging the nation. Like, this is insane. That, that wasn't a very common thing to happen. 
David, the very least, the one that his own dad didn't even think could do it, which is low. And now Peter, he had life going on. You know, his 401k, putting fish away, drying them out. I don't know what he did, but, but he had life going on. He had things to take care of. And Jesus says, come and follow me on the Sabbath for one hour a day. Just once a week. And you're good, Peter. I know you have to fish, Peter. I know you have responsibilities, Peter. I know you have bills to pay, Peter. So, so you sit here, Peter, and you take care of this fishing business to take care of your family. And I'm going to call somebody younger who doesn't have as much responsibility. I just wanted you to know I was here, Peter. I love you. God bless you. He says, follow me. And I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Peter left his nets and he followed Jesus. It's like, what does that mean? We can't eat men. I need food, Jesus. God calls people to follow Jesus. God's calling you to have that same lifestyle where nothing is more important than Jesus. Not your mortgage, not your entertainment, not your comfort, not your family. Not that all those things aren't important to Jesus. Not that he won't take care of all that stuff, but he said, you follow me and I'll take care of the rest. And I promise it'll be good. And I promised you won't have to worry. But we're called to follow Jesus. Does that define you? Is that your life? I don't know. Does that define me? Is that who we are? Jesus followers. You know, somebody said, uh, I heard somebody talking about, is there such a thing as a lukewarm Christian? No. That doesn't exist. You're either red hot or you're not really a believer. That's how I read it. Like, not to be judgmental. That's what it seems to say. Now, in Acts chapter 9, this is about Paul. It says, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. A little background about Paul or Saul, as he was called here. Uh, Saul was a very religious person. He knew the scriptures better than all of us in this room together. He could quote them. He had them memorized. He, he did all the religious exercises. And for him, it wasn't just like show up on Sunday at 1030 and maybe help with setup. And if you're really spiritual, be in the kids ministry because only the most godly go there. It was like he did everything, the diet, the routine, the memorization, the studying. Like he had it down, it says, to a T. So much so that when people started to talk about this following Jesus thing, he was like, no, no, no. That's blasphemy. And let's kill them. Like killing and imprisoning and, and stealing from believers, he got authorized to do that. He was so upset because he took the law so literally and so passionately that he was going around to anywhere he could find them. And he was on his way to Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. 
And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. That's like a really tough thing to say. You're going to be told what to do. Mm. Nobody tells me what to do. How many people you just want to scream that out? Don't tell me what to do. You'll be told. Ow. Doesn't that hurt a little bit? It's like, you're going to tell me what to do. See, God calls people to obedience and to love. You want God's glory to be seen? Lord, learn how to obey him. Not that there's not grace and not that there's not mercy and, and not that he doesn't love you and not that you'll ever be perfect, but, but learn how to obey him. Obey, obedience is better than sacrifice. And then the second part is love. Paul had to learn how to love. The same people that he hated, that he was going to kill, he had to learn how to love and to fellowship with these Jews that believed in Jesus. And then God played the almost awesome trick in all scripture. This one Jewish man who probably lived most of his life with other Jews because that's what their law said and didn't have fellowship with too many outsiders. God takes this guy and says, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. To the people that were unclean, like you and me, that, that weren't part of the Jewish nation. And, and Paul sent, God sends him around the world at that time, speaking and sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus and, and loving them. And then Paul gets the tables turned because pretty soon he's the one that's being beaten with rods. And, and he was stoned to death. If you read in the book of Acts, it appears that he was stoned and it says he fell down. A lot of people say that, that he died or at least he was pretty banged up. And they left him there. And people come out to check on him and he pops up and he says, all right, let's keep going. He was shipwrecked. God caused this guy who wouldn't even touch unclean animals, to be sitting on an island in the rain. You can read this. And they're cold after a shipwreck, and he picks up a bunch of sticks because, you know, you put them in a fire, and fire makes you warm. So he grabbed a bunch of sticks, and a snake bites Paul, and all the locals from the village or from the island are like, oh, man, he's going to die. Like they do like that. You don't get bit by that snake. You're going to die. And he throws the sticks in the fire. He shakes the snake off. And everybody, all the villagers are like, oh, man, you're going to die. And he never died. They're like, who is this guy? God's glory was seen through a snake bite. Through the things that went wrong in his life. God's glory was seen. He was called to obedience and to love. See, we're called to love God and to obey him. We're called to love people 
And some of them were called to obey. Government, bosses, people in authority. Like obedience is, that should be our mark. That's our calling card. Even when it's stupid. Even when the sign says 35 and you're like, I could clearly do 65 right here, I promise. Comfortably 65, probably 80. The sign says 35. You know, so I don't even look at signs anymore. Just straight ahead <laughs> to get over that. No more guilt. Amen? Ignorance is better than disobedience. No, forgive me. I'm just kidding. But God has called us to obedience. Would you bow your heads just for a second? I believe God has called the people that are in this room. I believe he's called you to demonstrate his glory to prove how good and how mighty and how powerful he is. I believe he's called you to put you in places that are beyond your natural abilities. I believe he's called you in to, to do things that you couldn't do on your own. I believe there's some people in this room that, that you think you're the least, and God says, I could do great things with you. He's called you to follow Jesus, to put him above everything else, between everything else, between above everything else. And he's called you to obedience and to love, and it's, and it's good, and it'll be for his glory, and it'll work out good for you. And I want you to realize that some people in this room, God is calling you. It's not a text message, and it's not a phone call. It's like God is sitting beside some people in this room right now, I believe that, and he's calling you to him. And he's saying, I have great things for you. Would you follow me? Maybe you haven't been following him. Maybe you're here today, but you honestly, you've not been following Jesus lately. That's okay. There's mercy and grace. But God wants to release that mercy and forgiveness to you so that you can follow him. If that's you, if you've not been following Christ with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking around, I'd like to know who I'm praying for today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. There's no judgment. There's no judgment. Amen. There's no judgment. I just want to let you know what you signed up for if you believe in Jesus. It's obedience. It's love. It's following him. It's, it's, it's real. And it's for his glory, and it turns out great. Lord, you saw the people that raised their hand. I thank you for those people. Lord, I pray your spirit would go to them and release your love and your mercy and your forgiveness. I pray you'd strengthen the weak things in their lives. I pray your love would be revealed to them clearly in Jesus Christ through the price you paid on the cross. And I pray you would supernaturally strengthen them on the inside so that they could live for you and follow you. And God, I pray for all of us. May we be obedient. May we love others. May we not think too highly of ourselves. And may our lives be about your glory, God. That we may show others the glory of God. 
because of what you've done in our lives. And we give you glory and honor right now. In Jesus' name, I'm going to invite you to stand. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>